Welcome to Game Theory and Money and Bill Smith. That's what's happening because it's the postseason. And guess what? It's the playoffs, so there's 20,000 simulations for every single game, not just 10. <laughs> Tens for the regular season. <laughs> we do 20,000 with Cynthia's fancy Monte Carlo model and her special algorithm that specifically suggests who's going to win these games by how much and, most importantly, why. So let's uh, get to our recap of our wild card week. Cynthia, guess who went four for four? I don't know who. I did. That's who. <laughs> I went four for four. That's who went four for four. <laughs> yeah. This guy. What did you do? You went three for four. Why? <laughs> Why did you go three for four? Tell me, Cynthia. Um, what team was it that let you down that led you to a three for four day instead of a four for four day like this guy? I was just hoping you get some of that um, extra playoff money, mm. you know, like the players get. Don't you get like yeah, don't, don't you get, get like a quarter it. million dollars if they I make it to the Super Bowl? I think they each get two hundred and twenty grand. I work for free. Oh, I thought you also got two hundred and twenty grand. No, I'll oh, get no. nothing and like it. That's what I'll get. <laughs> but uh, the only reason you went three for four is because you took the Ravens over the uh, Chargers. And the Chargers, of course, get out with not only uh, the number, but a victory. You went one out of two on your confidence picks. Whatever. That's old S. Let's get no, to the new not. stuff. We start with the Freeland favorites. You like the favorites. And we start with the Chargers of the Patriots. Divisional round, the Patriots. The number is four. The point total is 46. And you like what? I like Cynthia. the Patriots to win in 58.9% of the simulations. The score I've got, 26 to 21. So it is not a big, huge victory. It is a just a little there. bit more sure. than four. Just a okay. little bit more. So what is it? What led you to the Pats? And because your model doesn't, I don't think it takes into consideration all the historical factors that many folks are sharing. I mean, they're fun right historical now. factors, but unless the teams are part of the doppelganger, so unless it's like this team looks a lot like that, you know, those past teams, then they really wouldn't be included because my model really looks at this matchup today because, you know what, unfortunately, like, you know, three years ago, Patriots teams aren't actually facing the Chargers today. Turns even out. Though it's a fun, even though Turns it's fun stats. Different. Just a little right. different. So, so this is based on this this year's teams, and you have what teams. is kind of the key. Yep, so the run game is the key in this one for both sides. So the Patriots are allowing the most rushing yards on first downs since week seven, so 5.6 yards since week seven. That's crazy. They got worse as the year went on. It's up to 7.2 in the last five games. And by the way, the Chargers offense, 4.9 yards on offense on first and down this season. So that's a good one in favor of the Chargers. But when you add up kind of the, the reliance on the run game on the other side and you look at the way that this downhill running physical, using a fullback, using heavier personnel, like two tight end sets, 21 and 22, which they do, you know, second and fourth most often in the NFL. You look at those heavier sets and you look at the matchup against how light, so a lot of defensive backs playing linebacker positions, kind of out of position there. And you look at that physical downhill style, it just favors the Patriots and their ability to be consistent. They've earned the most, or the sorry, they're 15.6, so they're top four in most first downs on first and second down, so don't even have to wait till third down, and they've been consistent at that all season long. So it's really that consistency and the downhill style, physical game, using Devlin, all of these things that give the Patriots the edge. Yeah, the one thing the, the Chargers are going to have to do, because you're not going to slow this off, well, the you have to slow this offense down, right? The Patriots have regularly made a living and success in the old um, 
you know, just methodically move their way down the field. It, it is especially with this particular group of personnel. It is not a big play offense. It's you know we're going to get like you said, 15.6 first downs on first and second, and a lot of that was with heavy package and a lot of between the tackles runs. So the Chargers going to have to do kind of what they've done all season, which is be a really good red zone team. And there, see if you can, you know, look, do you, would you like to slow them down and make them punt? Of course. But it seems like the Patriots have kind of proven over the course of an entire 16-game season that they're pretty good at making their way into opponent territory. So they're just going to have to not allow them to cash those in for touchdowns. And that's something that this defense has been very good at all season long. So I want to ask you, the Melvin Gordon not practicing today situation, is that just like precautionary? Are you worried about that? When I model this, worried. should I be modeling him like 80% or 70%? or should I be modeling him like 100%? No, I wouldn't model him at 100. I think he's definitely banged up. I think, you know, that knee, I thought it was a lot. I couldn't believe he came back in that game and actually had some effective runs after he came back. I mean, it looked like it was a serious knee injury. Uh, came back with two braces. He doesn't like running with braces on, but he's going to probably have to do it, I would imagine. He rolled an ankle two weeks ago, um, you know, both knees this season. So he's far. But I kind of – I describe the Chargers' rush attack as it's not Melvin Gordon. It's the it's the collective, right? right. And you, you even saw it late in that game against the Ravens with Justin Jackson. He's got some wiggle, and he's got some power in between the tackles. So when you have, I think and, – and by all accounts, it seems like Austin Eckler's 100%. When you got 100% Austin Eckler, and mm-hmm. then you're going to get those 7 to 10 carries maybe for Justin Jackson, I think that's okay for Melvin mm-hmm. to not be 100%. As long as he's, you know, let's say 80 or above, I think that allows them to stay balanced and be very effective in the run game. Do you think – okay, so do you remember how many sacks each team – okay, the, the Chargers have had between weeks 9 and 16 or games 9 and 16, so second half sacks. Both, both the Chargers and the Patriots rank low, no higher than 19th in total sacks for the season. But which team do you think actually has fewer sacks? Allowed the, the, or – No, like their defense. Which defense? Well, I guess here's here's what I would say. I think well, I would guess the Chargers have fewer sacks by one, <laughs> yeah. sixteen and seventeen. They both are not good. But I would go to more recency bias in that, just because Joey Bosa is finally a hundred percent. And I think when you see Bosa oh, at a hundred percent, what happened last week was pretty good. That's what I mean. Yeah, okay. With eight sacks, and you look back to Denver, and I think they had four or five sacks in that game. I think they ended up changing one to a tackle for loss. But I think in the last three weeks. We've seen, and and that even goes back to the Baltimore game they lost, right, when they allowed Lamar Jackson just 39 yards rushing, and they were piling up a ton of tackles for loss, too. Um, I think you've seen this team get back to what we thought it was going to look like a little bit more, right, than, than what ultimately gave you a full regular season worth of stats. I'd be very surprised if either one of these teams was able to, to really move the ball against the opposing defense. Um, I think just with that offensive line and its struggles specifically on the interior for the Chargers all season and just for Tom Brady's kind of lack of weapons um, this season. You know, some of it's on him, but a lot of it's just on a banged-up Gronk, uh, a not-fast, it looks like a step-slow Edelman, and a pretty average Chris Hogan ever since they lost Josh Gordon. So I think, you know, that kind of leads me to think that this defensive line could maybe find a lot of success, um, you know, because he's got to hold that ball just a tick longer. And and that tick, you know, could very well be Joey Bosa or Melvin Ingram in your lap. Mm-hmm. Okay, my one last thing. How are the last Chargers? Thing. Here's Here's my question. How are the Chargers going to f- solve this, okay? Chargers have allowed 455 passing yards on screen passes this season. That ranks 29th. 6.6 yards per pass on screen passes. 
ranks 26th. How do they solve that? For Tom Brady. Uh, He's pretty good at those. Turns out, I think probably tackling would be my number one thing. <laughs> it's a team that has been poor at tackling, at least through the first half of the season. I don't know what their numbers, if their numbers look a lot better the last, let's say, six weeks. But at the start of the season, they were a pretty poor tackling even. bunch. Yeah, yeah, keep going. Um, so that would be that would be my answer. I don't know the exact solution to that. I do think... Um, I do think that part of that could be solved by those six defensive or seven defensive backs, you know, exchanging speed for power. Um, but then you give but up James that, White, you know, yikes. that tackling. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's a big yikes. Um, at the same time, if you're not afraid of anybody coming over the top on you, which I don't think you have to be with this team, that helps too. Yeah. You know, you can, you can maybe prevent step that big play. <laughs> exactly. You know, right. where you're not worried about that guy taking the top off. So that may well, be the Well, and I just want to look at – Phillip Rivers knows this, I'm sure, but anytime he gets Keenan Allen or any of his receivers, Mike Williams, Tyrell Williams, against McCourty or Deron Harmon, those are the two most vulnerable in their backfield. So their defensive All backs right. for the, the Patriots. I will pass that along. Yeah, you know, just Intel. let him know. Just let him know in case in case he needs to know. <laughs> and remember, you can stream every NFL playoff game live on your mobile device or tablet through the NFL app or through the Yahoo Sports app, as a matter of fact. All right, that's the only favorite that Cynthia likes. Let's get to the dogs. Uh, you like the points. And there it is. Down boy. <laughs> Colts at Chiefs. Chiefs favored by five and a half. Mm-hmm. Total 57. Mm-hmm. And um, what do you got? Chiefs win 56.6% of the simulations. The score I have, 30 to 26. All right, there we go. Four points. This is the one, you know, it's funny that people, like, think that my model is, like, biased towards them because, of course, I would, like, want the Chiefs to win by a bunch because they're my preseason Super Bowl pick, and I value sure. being right almost over anything else in my life. but like, I like being right, too, don't we all? Right? And I also, like, but also, like, recently I've started to like the Colts for kind of no reason, but the, the McDaniels theory. Right, so this is a really tough one for me because I can see the Colts winning this game. I look at look at the thing, and I'm like, oh, my They've been the best gosh. team in the AFC for the last 11 weeks. But five Their number ones. Their defense is great. Last They're, five I'm, number ones in the AFC made it to the Super Bowl. I know. Are they going to buck that trend? Hey, yes, we are. Because like you just mentioned, when you talked about the Patriots, turns out those five number ones aren't playing on Saturday <laughs> or Sunday. <laughs> it's know. completely new teams. I mean, and, and by the way, the Chiefs are kind of a number one, you could argue, right, by default. Because they right. were, you know, they had one loss in division. The Chargers had two losses in division. So they, with the same record, get the number one seed. Right. I, look, I keep going because, you, you know, you'll have the, the much better information than I will. But... You tell me you've got arguably the best offensive line in the in the playoffs against that group of defensive backs. You're going to give Andrew Luck an extra half second to three quarters of a second uh, against that secondary. And man, I could see this going sideways for the Chiefs for sure. So here are my fun stats that mean absolutely nothing, but I think are really fun because everyone always talks about Andy Reid coming off a bye. He's 20-3. and three, That's 83.3% in games following a bye. That includes playoff buys. He's 3-1 and one in playoffs game following a first-round bye. Last win, 2002-2004 one in 2002-2004 and lost in 2016. He's gone one and done in five of his last playoff appearances. That's Reid. And the Chiefs have lost their last six home playoff games. Okay, so now you have... St- like ammo on each side. I just think those those are funny, just because it's always like Andy Reid sucks. Andy Reid's great. Andy Reid sucks. Andy Reid's great. Like it's just hilarious. I don't know. I just think it's funny. The buy stuff I get right because yeah. that that applies to Belichick as well. You know, when you talk about divisional round and he gets an extra week to game plan, they can do some very creative things. And I think the playoff 
comes into call it comes into you know comes into the conversation for Andy Reid because his teams tend to be what really tricky offenses that you got to try to figure out and I didn't believe it but I heard it last week you know from the players they said look man the playoffs it's a different deal it is a different game it's more physical it's hard to imagine you can play NFL football at a more physical level than you do in any regular season game but they do, and it ends up becoming a little bit more of a street fight when you get into the playoffs. And a lot of people just say teams aren't built to do that, that 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 for whatever reason, that offense that he chooses to run, a lot of sleight of hand and misdirection, and, you know, we're going to punch you in the mouth, and you better, you better be able to punch back. And I think that's maybe what's let him down. Um, or I think, the, and I think it's also partially because, you know, has he ever really had a great power run game? You know, when you because what is what is like part of the narrative of his issues? Oh, they went up by fourteen and they lost by two. They went up by Clock ten management. and they lost by one. Right? And it's like, where's your four minute offense? You know, can can Pat Mahomes jam that ball in into Damian Williams' gut and can they methodically put together a seven minute drive when they need to? Yeah, the Damian Williams is to me the most underrated X factor in here, just because I I mean, I don't I don't know if I I don't know. I feel like people are talking about everything else, but I haven't heard much about Damian Williams. But for me, this one comes down to kind of exactly what you talked about, right? The interior, the interior pass rush of Chris Jones. So all, all of the narratives about the Chiefs defense are how much they suck in certain ways, right? And one way that they absolutely don't is getting pressure on opposing quarterbacks. Uh, so, pass rush is awesome. Yeah, Chris Jones, I, nobody's – I just don't feel like anyone's talking about him enough. Like, we talk about him, but I don't know. Like, he's been the second No, I think most, you're right. Second most disruptive interior player. And I understand that that's going to go up against this O-line, which has been awesome. But if you talk about, like, Quentin Nelson still is a rookie. And if you look at, see, like, the crowd noise and the situations like that, the pass rush, like, the home team the home team has, and I'm going to say it later, and I always hate home road splits, but when it comes to, like, a little more experience and the fact that you have this great pass rush, it's kind of an advantage against an O-line especially in like a rookie that that's kind of anchored by this really, really good rookie. So the Chris Jones versus Quentin Nelson dynamic is interesting. It's going to be an interesting one. Now he's not going to line up against him on every snap, but they're going to rotate it around. He's going to line up. They're going to try to match that up quite a bit, especially since Chris Jones has really come on in like the second half of the season. And now they have three guys with at least nine sacks. I mean, again, sacks isn't the most helpful number, but it's just one way to look at it. No, D Ford and, and D Ford, just, Justin Jones Houston. have been Chris, in Justin Houston. Yeah. But, I mean, it's mostly been Ford and Jones. They've been fantastic. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. But, again, I, that, that's kind of – and I think I brought this up last week or maybe it was in week 17 or something. I said yep. that's to me what is so what, – what tells the tale of how bad that secondary is. Mm-hmm. When you have that kind of disruption up front and you still have a secondary that is giving up numbers mm-hmm. uh, at that particular rate. And that's and, – and remember, Ryan Kelly's back. So yep. And they had zero sacks allowed against the line. Texans. Exactly. So you're going to have help on that middle of that line as well, um, as opposed to a backup center trying to slow down that interior rush. But it's will the Colts win? I don't know. I, I'm not comfortable picking them to win that game, but I'm with you. I think it's going to be really close, and I think that's when the whole Andy Reid can't win a playoff game. And do you see a team unravel again? You know, sometimes – it's, is it fair? No, but it's just it's the snake eating its tail, right? Eventually, you're just like, wow, are we really back here again? We, we've managed to come back to this exact same point, even though we watched this Chiefs team dominate all season long and Patrick Mahomes do special things. And and if he can't, like, I guess that's that's probably my number one thing is if I'm watching this game, if, if the Colts do what they did to the Texans, look out. 
you know, look mm-hmm. out. If they go up 10 points, then I think that's where you start to get all that second guessing and things can unravel in a hurry. Well, there's two things here. First, the Colts defense since week seven, Bill pointed this out earlier, only 15.5 points per game. It's the lowest in the NFL. 15.5, that's crazy. Number one scoring defense since week seven. And they have six games on offense where they've scored more than 30 points. So they have the formula to be able to beat the Chiefs, absolutely. And I don't necessarily think they're going to be held to, obviously, 15.5 points per game for the Chiefs. It would be it would be weird if we saw such a low score. But it's really interesting. It's a really interesting matchup to me when I look to see, like, where are they most vulnerable, they being the Chiefs. It's the Chiefs' defense and versus Eric Ebron. Which one of those safeties, you really want Daniel Sorensen on Eric Ebron? Okay, got it. Like 13 touchdowns. He's all about the red zone. He's averaging, you know, over 10 yards per reception in the red zone. His use there, obviously his touchdowns at 13 is the most. All of that situation in the red zone where, you know, the, the tenant of what we've heard Bob Sutton say about his defense is like, yeah, yeah, pressure up front and then be really good in the red zone. And like, whatever, if it's a bunch of yards, you know? But like, that's not happening when you got a guy like Eric Ebron and you don't have a healthy Eric Berry and you don't have a situation where your corners can come in and help. Like, yikes. The one thing, and the reason why I'm not going to pick him to win the game and I'm going to pick the Chiefs, is everybody's doing the, when you go back to week seven, when you go back to week seven, you know, they yeah. were one in five. Okay. They played Buffalo. They played the Raiders. They played the Jags twice. They played the Titans twice. They played the Dolphins. They played the Texans. They played the Giants. This this is a completely different level of offense. Absolutely, that they have not, and, and I almost wonder if it's like, hey, you haven't seen this, you have not seen anything even remotely close to this. So if they're even at that kind of battle tested, like they they, what are they gonna? I don't know. They like I said, they haven't seen anything remotely close to what this offense looks like. So as great as those numbers are, and as good as, and look, you can only play the teams on your schedule. I get it, but to try to compare the Chiefs' offense to the Titans, Giants, Cowboys, Texans, Jags twice, Miami, Raiders, Oakland. That's just – it's it's minor to major leagues to me. And that's kind of where I come in and say, all right, I think they can hang. Mm-hmm. But, man, I I don't know if, if they're ready to deal with that. One thing that really stands out as a good thing for the Chiefs is about RPO. So 25% of the plays, a quarter of their plays this season. It's the highest rate in the NFL by a significant amount. And then if you look to see what happens when the Colts face RPOs, it's 7.6 yards per passing attempt, fifth most. So it's just it's just a situation of like, well, what what's their bread and butter? Like, what can we kind of rely on them to do? And a quarter of the time is a pretty substantial number to rely on. So for me, that's kind of where it comes to play. I'm, Again, I'm saying it's going to be a close one. I have the Chiefs like squeaking it out, yeah, but not you. not a big not a big number. For the purposes of this conversation, I like the Colts. For what I think will happen next Sunday, I think a game will be played at Arrowhead. Um, remember, there uh, when you are on the go, not much time to think about upgrading your style, uh, your apartment, the spot where you live, and that's why we love the boxes. And there is something called a box of awesome. Uh, from Bespoke Post, and they do it every month. You can experience quality and unique products at boxofawesome.com. There are a lot of really cool items. Uh, Too many to list, as a matter of fact, for me to get specific in this conversation. But if you visit boxofawesome.com and answer a few short questions, they're going to get a feel for what your style is. Each box costs less than 50 bucks, but it's got more than $70 worth of unique gear waiting inside the first of each month. You get an email with your box details. you got five days to make changes. If you're not feeling 
what they're putting together for you, just skip it. No big deal. They got barrel aging kits, limited edition cigars, weekender bags, dop kits, uh, bespoke post offers, essential goods, and guidance for the modern man. Now, you can get a 20% off your first subscription box if you go to boxofawesome.com and enter the code Game Theory at checkout. Again, that's boxofawesome.com, code Game Theory. You get 20% off your first box. Game Theory is the code. 20% off when you go to boxofawesome.com. Bespoke post theme boxes for guys that give a damn. Mm. Money, we could do awesome box arbitrage. If they say it's $50 worth of stuff or $70 worth of stuff for $50, why don't we just keep reselling stuff? I think it's a great idea. Perfect. Let's break it up. Let's do it. (laughs) I watched that movie. I know what arbitrage is all about. (laughs) Freaking guy was shady as all hell. We'd be we'd be the bespoke post arbitrage right. shady people. I'm going to buy up your company. I'm going to break it up, and I'm going to sell it. Watch that. You're all going to be out of work. Here we go. Eagles at Saints. Saints favored by eight. Total 51. You have what? I have the Saints winning in 60.1% of the simulations. The score I have is 29 to 23. So that's not eight. That's less than eight. It turns out it is. That's six. Yep. Why? So a couple of reasons for this one. First of all, the interesting part is that they're kind of like a lot of parallels between these teams in terms of like strengths versus weaknesses. They're both very good in short passes. They both rely on a volume of quick passes, getting out very quick to avoid their quarterbacks being under pressure. They both have great run defenses. There's both they have some like interesting kind of parallels and yes, I'm not worried about what happened the first time. This is completely different because look at this look at the Eagles Completely different team. It's it's a completely different team. So, you know, again, we can talk about that, but it's not that interesting to me. So I think we just kind of move on from that. But ultimately, what was really interesting is in the Saints, sorry, in the Eagles past four games, their defensive front. So a lot of talk about those different, the disruptive pressures, they've almost doubled. So they were at like 17%. Now they're at like 28.4%. So they've almost doubled their effectiveness in disrupting a quarterback. So not just the sacks, but like all the things that influence first downs and earning touchdowns. So it's really, that's a very, like that's a that's a tricky number to get through, and their O line you've seen them being play playing a lot better, and you've seen like Nick Foles being able to execute these quick throws, and he's really at his best when he's able to do that. Passes under two point five seconds. Every single stat in the book about him is just so much better. So that's that short passing for them is a really really big deal. And then on the other side, it's just really interesting to me. It's to if to look at the O line matchup between the Saints and that front that I'm talking about. Like if you look to see like Teron Armstead's been in and out, he's been banged up all season long. It's going to be interesting because when he plays, that puts Ryan Ramchek back to the right. So Teron Armstead left tackle, Ryan Ramchek right tackle, and then Larry Warford the right guard. He's going to be the one who's tasked with dealing with Fletcher Cox, and it's going to yeah no. And then the right tackle Ryan Ramchek presumably is going to be it's going to be dealing with Michael Bennett. So right, Michael Bennett rushes from the left end and you got Fletcher Cox kind of with where the left guard is. So the two of them together. So if you've got Warford, who's pro bowl caliber for sure, and you've got Ramchek, that's a way better situation for Drew Brees than if Teron Armstead isn't healthy and they're shifting Ryan Ramchek over to the left and you're not getting the same sort of efficiency to stay away from Michael Bennett and to stay away from, and to stay away from Fletcher Cox for sure. Now this one's tough for, for me, for, a couple reasons. One, 
Uh, it just feels like forever since we've seen a dominant Saints offense, right? Like that that offense that we saw right there at the start of the season, Drew Brees is the MVP of the league, whatever, sentimental vote, Pat Mahomes isn't getting it, it's A and B, and then it just kind of fell apart the last few weeks, not even the last few weeks, like the last six weeks. Um, and, and then you kind of think about the Eagles, and it's like, okay, so they beat the Bears, but they beat a Bears team that had an offense that was borderline inept, that, that could – barely put anything together uh and they also beat them on an icing the kicker you know timeout because that that kick went through they don't you know Peterson decides just to sit on it and they lose that game and again I know that's a really good defense and arguably the best defense in the NFL and you're on the road in a hostile environment but I just I don't think I mean the Saints defense to me is good enough to to slow down this Eagles offense and the Saints offense to me is also good enough to do a heck of a lot more against that defense than the Bears were able to, and we're still in a position to win. I don't know if those two things are congruous or not. It just it, – it, this to me, this is tough because I can't – I don't know if I trust the Saints offense because I haven't seen it, but if I do, then I think they win easy. Uh, to me, just personnel-wise, offensively, I think, I think they end up winning this game by at least 10 points. Um, but at the same time, I haven't seen it. You know, because they took off week 17. So they've essentially had two weeks off. And I don't know if that's what the solution was. If everybody just kind of needed to heal up, which obviously we know in the case of Teron Armstead, they did. Um, or if that Saints offense from the first eight weeks of the season is going to return because we haven't really seen it. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. You brought up the Saints pass rush and their ability to get to the to the quarterback, too. It's like I looked at I looked into this because they rush from the perimeter, not from the interior. So they're about 0.4 seconds longer than the league average. It takes them from the time that they they the the whistle blows to when, or the time they snap the ball until maybe being disruptive to a quarterback or not. So there's they've been good with pressures, but they have like the seventh most defensive pressures in the league this season. But it takes longer. So those quick passes from Foles, like that's going to be a key. And and that's the thing is like the, if you pass on this defense, New Orleans wants to be in a, in a spot where they're controlling all of it, right? So you're going to get that 10 point win if you if they can try to if they can keep in control of all of it. But those quick passes from Foles could be the antidote to that because they're not going to be able to kind of rely on, you know, they're going to they're have to stay, like, on their heels, right? The, the Neither cornerback group or neither defensive back unit, neither secondary, is something that I'm like, they're awesome, they're going to be so good, whatever. Like, Marshawn Lattimore is good for the Saints, but as a unit, they've been very susceptible. And especially, like, defensive pass interference calls, like, Eli Apple's very guilty of those. So Certainly. It can I be, mean, they target him. The, the, the Steelers just went after him And you know who knows him, him really well? Game. Yeah, the Eagles know. The yeah. Eagles are familiar with yeah. Eli Apple's They know Apple's why he's not tendencies. in New York anymore. Right, so exactly. that's kind of scary for me, but you know that that's an interesting that's an interesting one, and it also is like that like the time to pressure being so long helps uh, helps explain why the Saints' red zone rate is low. Defense they allow what something like the twenty third, so sixty three point three percent of the time they allow a touchdown in the red zone. Like that's 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 scary when you've got some like Foles magic, and by magic I mean short passing going on there. So that's interesting, but ultimately to me it's it's the fact that. This, the Saints have, like, the best word I can think of is an execution offense, right? They're not relying on perimeter speed from their wide receivers. They're not using, like, the spread offense concepts like they do in, in Kansas City where they just spread everyone out and they're just like, you're an athlete, go. They're very yeah, – They use the Michael Thomas offense. Right. They're like, you're – Catch a lot of balls. Catch go. a lot of balls and fight for them. Like, you're playing yeah. basketball out here. And Alvin Kamara, you're playing basketball. And really, it's the run game and – 
the Saints' ability to rely on their run game, whereas the Eagles can't. They've gotten a little bit more tricky, like cobbling it together in recent games, but it's it hasn't been a source of strength for them, whereas Alvin Kamara has been a consistent source of strength. Mark Ingram, they're, they're, they're a consistent source of strength for this team. So as I go back through the game log, just real quick to wrap up my point, yep. um, it wasn't all the way back at week eight. It was back to week 11. So you got the... 127 yards passing against the Cowboys, just under two or just over 200 against the Bucks with a touchdown and a pick. The no touchdowns and a pick against Carolina in the win, and he played pretty well against the Steelers, which was an odd game. And anyway, so I guess you know what I though, guess I'm comfortable saying Saints. Drew Brees, right with that. Drew Brees is setting himself up to be the Super Bowl champ because you know, just the like league, it happened the last time. Well, because you know the league MVP never wins Super right. Bowl. So that. that's what so he's doing. That. He's trolling us. Exactly right. And remember, <laughs> they struggled. I think they lost like three of their last five or something like that when they made their run and beat the Colts in that Super Bowl as well. All right, let's go to uh, Cowboys Rams. The uh, Rams favored by seven. Total 49 and a half. You have what? I have the Rams winning in 55.3% of the simulations with a score of 27 23. That's close. Closer than seven. Certainly Four. it is. Mm-hmm. I can do that math. I might be stupid, <laughs> but I'm following you on that, Cynthia. Okay, why? So this is a kind of a bad matchup for the Rams defense. Sure is, right? Yeah. They're, those 5.1 yards per rush allowed this season, which is worse than the NFL, like three of them are yards before first contact. So not only is it like they're not getting there in time, it's it's there's two things, right? You can It's gap integrity or it's tackling. So this one's kind of like, both is the answer, right? The gap integrity is not great in the middle of in the middle of their line, and then they're not good at closing in on it. So it's like the front seven is leaky, and then the it's just not. It's just it's a it's troubling when you know there's that guy Ezekiel Elliott. He's pretty good at. at Remember when uh, Dominican Sue sent out that smart ass tweet about the Dolphins' run defense, and he was like, "Ha ha, you guys are terrible against the run." It's like, well, ha ha, you're, you're worse. Terrible. You're worse. You give <laughs> up five point one yards per carry, and the guy next to you is busy running up the field. You know, as the greatest wrecking machine on a defensive line, all you're asked to do is slow down the run, and you can't do that. So. To me, this is, hey, Indomitian Sue, you made $15 million this year. You should be How about happy. you earn it? How about you earn it in the playoffs? Because you've been terrible this year. I mean, terrible. If that guy's, if you're, if the guy next to you has to go upfield and that's what he's asked to do by Wade Phillips, then it's on you to try to slow the run down and show some pride. And and because if he can't do that, and it's not like, look, the Cowboys are pretty good, and, and I'm sure you probably have these numbers. I haven't uh, looked. Shame on me. No, you're good. But um, that's what I'm here The Cowboys for. tend to attack the edges, right? And that's kind of. You know, that's something that's that's been an issue with the Rams as well. That's why they traded for Dante Fowler. Um, you know, they're trying to slow down the runs on those edges. But if they come right up the middle, and I have a feeling they're going to try to do that because what's the best way to negate a pass rush from an interior lineman? To run right at him and run right by him and just give him a high five. Hey, what's up, Aaron? <laughs> going this way. I'm going to get five yards because Ndamukong's not going to You're good, but me, that so. other guy isn't, so I'll go over here. <laughs> yeah, it's going to uh, – I, th- I think he's going to have that. To me, like, that's the – hey, what's the X factor? I think it's Ndamukong Sue. He's going to have to play up to his talent level. Uh, up to his paycheck be, level. It, right, and a run-stuffing defensive tackle. They need him to do that. And, look, I think it's interesting when you, when you when you bring that up because it sets up a situation where their defense, where we've seen their corners also be targeted. You've seen their secondary be targeted. So give them the best opportunity to diagnose what's happening or what's could potentially – I'm not saying that Dak's going to all of a sudden pass for 400 yards like he did against the Giants, but I think – like, look, like, let those – let those – 
let that be something that you are not, you're controlling. Make them one dimensional. Make it so that they, they have to pass against you and you know it's going to be a passing situation, right? Not Don't give up right. a bunch of yards all the time. It's Look, it's a team that would much rather, I think, get into a, a fight with another pass-happy offense. Uh, I don't think there's any question yeah. about that. And, like, and look at that, this. Physical, that physical front does not, I don't think, match up really well with their defensive scheme and style. And then look at the other side. It's kind of also a bad matchup for the Rams on the other side of the ball, too, because you've got an O-line that's been banged up. I, it's, hard to, it's hard to know. They haven't been playing – the beginning of the season, they played a lot better. It, it, it's presumable that they're banged up now. But Rob Havenstein against Demarcus Lawrence is going to be it's a bad scene. That's not a good matchup. Well, and not, not to mention, you know, we've one. seen Whitworth and Sullivan also banged up these last four weeks. Now, that's what's great about the bye, right? When you earn a bye, you yep. have a chance to give some of your older guys yep. that are 36 and, and 35 scheme. that right. extra week. And yeah, then, and a scheme. And, right. and arguably, you know, one of the best play callers in the league in Sean McVay. You give him that extra week to dial some stuff up. But, well, and you know, also like, with Todd Gurley, right? Like, Todd Gurley, is he 100% that's healthy? That's huge. If, because, he's, if he's not, they're screwed. Because I, it's I all about big plays. It's Todd Gurley in the screen and the screen game. And Todd Gurley, you know what's funny is, like, I was looking for something, like, really sexy on this match, which would be like, oh, it's big plays because you see the Cowboys' defense really limit big plays. They're very good at stopping runs of 10 or passes of 20. But – then you kind of see like what flags is like one of the most important factors. Like, oh, Todd Gurley has gotten the most, has the highest percentage of rushes on first down that go for more than four yards. And you're like, oh, so it's not this sexy factor, but something that you talked about in playoffs that's really important. Oh, like, you know, like the trenches and the run game and control, like that's a really big deal. So yeah. it's I not mean, that have, sexy, but it's, it's good. I have kind of, I guess, that anecdotal bias, right? Because I watched this team beat the Chargers in week three, and I watched just carve that defense up with that fly sweep with just pick your receiver. They did it with all of them, Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, Brandon Cooks, Jared Goff, and Todd Gurley. And that's the key to it is the defense is terrified of that handoff to Todd Gurley. They're terrified of that handoff or the shovel pass and the fly sweep to Brandon Cooks or Robert Woods. And they're terrified of getting the top taken off the defense down the field. Now, when it's not Todd Gurley, and I know C.J. Anderson had 100 yards here and 150 yards there, it's against the 49ers, and it was against the Cardinals. So appreciate that, but whatever. Um, if it's not Todd Gurley against Dallas – now all of a sudden you're feeling pretty good about paying a little bit more attention to that fly sweep and making sure you don't let them take the top off you and you're a little less concerned about C.J. Anderson destroying you on an edge like Todd Gurley's capable of doing. Um, that's the secret sauce. I mean, it's they, there's a reason why they run three receivers on every offensive play, and there's a reason why they have more pre-snap motion than every other team in the league because it works because it freaks you out when it's – freaking Todd Gurley back there well on the other side it's interesting because if you look at you know Leighton Van Der Esch and Jalen Smith's impact they're the the duo of linebackers like when they're in the game opponents have been able to or haven't been able to rush for four yards the most often did I say that right so it's they're going they're limited they've limited opponents rushing of four yards the most is that English I don't know yeah I'm, I do math so, yeah, so that's that's interesting. And they're athletic enough to get along those edges, right, if Tyler Gurley tries to rush on the outside or if it's C.J. Anderson, you know, that's a bigger deal. And they're pretty good in coverage against screen passes. So that's going to be – Todd Gurley is maybe the Jenga piece, as Shaq would like to you. say. I'm with you. I think it is it is the most important part of this matchup. 
and he was held out today. I don't know if that's gamesmanship by McVay and trying to get the Cowboys to think that he's not going to be 100% and they're not going to honor him as much as they ought to, and then next thing you know, bang, Brandon Cook's 75-yard touchdown. Um, <laughs> the, you know, for – how yeah, about, let me because put it this Byron way. Jones is going to line up in coverage against him, and that's not going to go good because he hasn't been playing well lately. So let's. Oh, I'm saying. with you. I hear you. That's and which is why it was surprising that Brian Schottenheimer didn't take more shots downfield until it was too late. Oh yeah, wow, Tyler Loddick, it just dusted the guy. Maybe I should have done that a little bit more. Um, <laughs> oh, this one the, worked. Got it. <laughs> yeah. The um, I'll, just to wrap up here uh, on all of the previews, Cynthia, your picks. Um, you have one favorite. And then you have three where you are taking the team to win, but yep. by less. So you've got the Saints winning, you've got the Rams winning, you've got the Chiefs winning. Which of those three do you feel strongest about maybe losing, just straight out losing? So the it's the answer is the Rams. That's- the Cowboys that's the as far as the model goes. Yes, that's so the best chance. You for said not who's going to lose? Fewer points win by. Correct. So the winner the percentages go 56-6 for Kansas City, 55-3 for Rams, New England 58-9, New Orleans 61, 60.1. So 60.1. So it goes New Orleans, then New England, then Kansas City, then then Rams are the are the order of things that are right. the order of you know, confidence. All right, let's get your confidence picks. Okay, I like. I here's you ready for it. I'm ready. It's going to make sense right here. Let's go. Dallas with the points. <laughs> okay. You just said it see? because see? you can see Cause, him winning. Because we went backwards there. See how this works? Indy also with the points. Oh, okay. fancy. There we go. Fancy. All right. All right. Oh, oh, oh. It's me barking. It is. And Shoppy then, was a little slow on the trigger there. He was. You, 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 there you go, Shoppy. Peppy. Peppy. I like it. And then I think that – and the other one, this one, this one's an interesting one, but it's pretty high. I think it's going to be fewer than 57 points in Kansas City and Indianapolis. Ah, interesting. Mm-hmm. Interesting. interesting. Fewer than 57. 15.5 points per game allowed by the Colts since week seven. But I know. But again, what I tell I you, know. who they play. I know. Who they play. I know. I know. But, like, I have 30 to 26 as my final score, and that's less okay, than – Okay, you've got 56. <laughs> and you're making right. that a confidence pick, and you got 56? I asked the model Bold. how often – I asked the model how often it went under 57. I didn't say what the most – the what? most likely score doesn't mean that's the, like – only the final operation, right? It's like how many of the final scores, how many percent of the time, 58.1% of the time, the number is under 57. So fine. Okay. You be it. You be that way. It's your, <laughs> and hey, by the way, I it's kind your of, funeral. at first I kind of hated, like, look, me and my model, it, it's a machine. I sometimes like, I get confused by it. And I was like, all of the home teams are winning. And then I realized three of the four wildcard teams upset the divisional winners. So, that's part of it, right? So you're not like getting, you know, you're getting like the six versus the one, you know, you're not getting like four versus two or whatever it would right. end up happening. So I that's, gotcha. it makes sense, but it does blurg, you know, it makes sense to your fancy math brain is what it makes sense to. You know what else makes sense? Smart design, <laughs> premium fabrics, simple shopping. Mac Weldon. It's going to be the most comfortable underwear, socks, shirts, undershirts, hoodies, sweatpants, and more that you will ever wear. That's the claim we are making here on the Game Theory and Money podcast and Bill Smith. 
Mac Weldon's underwear, socks, and shirts, they look good. They perform well. They're great for working out, going to work. You want to go out on a date, great. Everyday life, maybe it's a mandate. Maybe it's uh, it's a, uh, I don't know, a date night with the wife or the husband. They even have a silver underwear. They have a line of silver underwear and shirts that are naturally antimicrobial. That means they eliminate odor on their own, which I'm good. Uh, and if you don't like your first pair, you can keep it, and they'll still send you a refund. No questions asked. Uh, you want 20% off your first order? Well, guess what? All you got to do is visit Mac, M-A-C-K, Weldon, W-E-L-D-O-N.com, MacWeldon.com. Enter the promo code GAMETHEORY at checkout. That's MacWeldon.com. Enter the promo code GAMETHEORY at checkout for 20% of your first order. Bill Smith just gave me a really, really good stat. You want it? If it's historical, yes. I'm going to punch the TV screen. It's a little historical. How historical? Since 1990. Five uh-huh. and six seeds are combined uh-huh. 11 and 30. That's 26.8% on the road in the divisional you playoffs. You see this? You see this, uh, Bill Smith? See? You see I see it. You know how right. Cynthia feels about historical oh, data. Oh, I like that, though. She hates it. I like that. No, I like you historical like data. I just like stuff that's like teams like this one. teams Because it's not fair to compare whatever. Whatever. But, you know what I think. You know my thoughts but, on this. It's time now for our Game Theory and Money and Bill Smith Super Probabilities Countdown. We are taking each team's chance of winning it all, winning the Super Bowl. We're no longer focused on AFC, NFC, and then on top of that, make the Super Bowl, win the Super Bowl. No, just straight percentage chance of winning it all. The number eight team, Cynthia Freeland, according to your model, with the least likely chance of the eight left in the playoffs to win the Super Bowl is... The Eagles. Horns. Eagles at number eight with what percentage chance? 6.5%. Now, people, by the way, when they post these on Instagram, sometimes they see that people don't understand. These percentages need to add up to 100. Like, I don't know what number people think they need to add up to. So 6.5 isn't horrible. I was thinking, like, you know, 77 or something. Right, right. You know, no, I think the they heck? think, like, everyone should be, like, at least 30%. Who knows? Right. <laughs> 6.5, so it's not crazy. Right. Yeah, the Eagles are going to have to have some percent chance of making of the Super Bowl. But it's, it's not, not going to be zero. They're in there. They're playing gonna, games. It's also not going to be 80. So. Right. Yeah, and then everyone else is going to split up 20% between the seven of them. So 6.5%. Is there much to say about why it's 6.5% outside of, I don't know, they're playing the Saints this week, and then they'd be a six seed, and that doesn't often happen? And Yeah, I mean, look, the only thing that really – it wasn't a super convincing win last week. I mean, a last minute missed field goals, like tricky to exactly to, right. Right. Like it's, it's not like the most convincing. It's not like they won. Like the, the Colts are far more convincing win than, than the Eagles. So it's really about like how they're winning the chances for the remaining teams to stop them. It's kind of really top heavy. So that both the, the, the two top ones, I'm not going to give it away. That's a tease. That's TV. Um, the two top teams in the NFC have a much higher percentage than the two tops in the AFC because the, it's just it's just a big disparity between between the teams. Between the Rams, Saints, and then the Eagles. So that leads me to yep. believe I kind of know what's coming at number seven. Yep. The number seven least likely team to win the Super Bowl. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Cowboys! Cowboys. 7.1. Kind of. Extending your conversation from the Eagles, right? You yeah. have the Rams and Saints decidedly 
with an advantage over the Cowboys and Eagles, and that means that I guess those percentages kind of have to add up, right? Yeah, you know what's kind of you know what's really funny is that the Cowboys have a, a decent chance. Like so, of all the of all the away teams, the Cowboys actually have the highest percentage chance in my model to win this week against the Rams. It's just either of their next two opponents, like a third rematch with the with the Eagles, if that's what it turns out to be, or the Saints, would be a really bad matchup for them either way. So that's really where that comes in. Yeah, you don't okay. see either the Cowboys or the Eagles going to the Rams and or the Saints and winning those games in consecutive weeks. Correct. Those are two of the model's favorite teams. The and model, winning the on model the road loves them. for those two back-to-back is very low, and that's why they're at the bottom of the list. Perfect. Yeah, it's not just winning against the Rams. It's winning against the Rams and the Saints, both on the road. Exactly. Uh, for both of those teams, based on, you know, as opposed to, Next week, let's say the Cowboys upset the Rams, and that changes. You know, I would guess yep, dramatically. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, well, yeah, it would change also because there'd only be four teams, and there'd be a much larger well, piece of like, pie for them to add up to a hundred. Right, they're all going to go up no matter what, right? But sure. like, or whoever's left is going to oh, go up no matter what. It's but. interesting you say that that they're all going to go up, Cynthia, because we're going to get to something that didn't go up at all. But let's start with the number six team that is least likely <laughs> to make the Super Bowl. <laughs> What's a pony noise? Nay, 7.7%. <laughs> the Colts. <laughs> That's my uh, hooves clapping. Oh, you're like, yeah. Exactly. Got it. Got it. Oh, very good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. No, it's just clapping two coconuts together. No, I'm not. <clears throat> All right. Colts at 7.7%. What do we got? Uh, <laughs> look, the AFC is tricky. It's a, it's, there's a lot of the, there's a lot of like log jam of teams right there in the AFC. The Colts really, it's, this one's about their, I think it's honestly their past defense that really flags as the biggest potential problem for them. Not their, their defense as a whole is I think underrated as far as narratives go, but it's their past defense. And they do have some questions for in their wide receiving core. If T.Y. Hilton's not completely healthy, the, the depth in their wide receiving core isn't, isn't deep. So as much of an advantage Eric Ebron is and T.Y. Hilton. Beyond that, they don't have a lot of receivers that are really consistent and reliable, which is something you need when you make it far in the playoffs. Yeah, it's tough. The Colts are tough. I mean, that's to me, that's just a little bit low because I just think they got a good shot to beat the Chiefs. And if they beat the Chiefs, to me, that could be the one team that, that really could give them the biggest bit of problems um, just because they have not seen it's an offense a bad like that matchup. on this run. It is a bad matchup, but at the same time, it's a good matchup, right? Because their offensive line has been so good, and that secondary for Kansas City has been so bad. So if you can counteract those two things, um, and Andrew Luck gets that extra half second or full second to throw the ball, man, has he been good this year. Bill? Yeah, I mean, you look at these two teams and both these high-powered offenses, and you really think it may come down to just which defense can make that one big play at the end of the game. And, when and which you look one do you believe the, in, Bill? You kind of believe it, the Colts. You believe right? in 53, Darius Leonard, or Malik Hooker. Oh, I Hooker, love Darius Leonard, but like yes. One of those two guys, those range players. Is Malik players. Hooker okay, though? Because he did leave the game. He was banged yeah. up. That's something that, like, That's something that you can't underestimate. Like. If he's not, their their defense got a little pummeled at the end of the at the end of the Texans game. It's absolutely true. They didn't finish that game as strongly as you would like. You hope they have everyone available. It just seems like they may have one of those playmakers that can make the big play to maybe push them across look, the finish line. If, if they can get Marlon Mack going this week against the Chiefs, yeah, if they I mean, can look, they did last then week. they can control right. They did, but it, and then they can control 
the the clock and and really limit the opportunity for Patrick Williams to have the ball in his hand because it doesn't kind of matter what defense he's facing, even though this is a good defense. That's a that's a scary. It's kind of like Oregon. I mean, that's what the Chiefs are like to me. It's it's Chip Kelly Oregon heyday where you would look at time of possession and their opponent would have you know, had the advantage by like 25 minutes. And I'm not embellishing or exaggerating. I'm nope. dead serious. Oh, they would have a 25-minute advantage, and they would lose by 60. It was just explosive offense. The teams couldn't keep up with them. That's kind of what the Chiefs have been this season. And, you know, for the Colts, they haven't seen anything like it. So that's the, the most interesting part of that to me. Now, before we get to the number five team least likely to win the Super Bowl, I would like to go back in time a week. Because you said something when we opened the pod. You said I had what? You, you said I had a 9% chance of working in February. 9.3% chance when there were 16 when there were 12 teams 12 left in the playoffs I had a 9.3% chance of going to Atlanta <laughs> as part of the broadcast team for the Los Angeles Chargers. So let's see. The fifth least likely team to make the Super Bowl. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure the suspense is killing everybody watching right now. What is now. it? Oh, no, I can't remember. Chargers. What is it? Chargers. At, at what percentage? 9.4. <laughs> so two teams have been eliminated, and their percentage chance of going to the Super Bowl has increased by one-tenth. No, 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 no. Their percentage chance to win the Super Bowl is now 9.4. Yeah. Last week it, it was 9.3 to win to the go. AFC. It doubled. Ah, yeah, so so you gotcha. work the Super Bowl whether the Chargers win it or lose it. This is to win the Super Bowl. Last week they were foiled f- again. Last week they were four point nine percent to win the whole thing. You know, so you now it doubled. It doubled. You could have saved me there, Bill, instead of making me look like a fool again. <laughs> Why would I have done I that? It's more fun this way. Listen, I'll be your punching bag. All right, nine point four percent. What? Uh, anything you want to share with us on that particular number? Cynthia? I think we we went through a lot of it. You know, like uh, look on the this pod. One, we went through a lot of it on the pod, but this one ultimately comes down to, in this matchup against the Patriots, who controls the run game, who gets more production using that run game, and then being able to use their pass catchers. Obviously, the the Bolts have a much better wide receiving core than the Patriots, but if they can't manage the style of offense, Tom Brady and the Patriots, or the downhill running, physical attacking, if they can't manage to handle that, then the Chargers will not you'll be doing this podcast in here you'll be in person next week as I'm opposed not coming to, to see you not I'm not come. coming to see you no chance that makes me so I sad I will just uh, <laughs> because of my bias say I think you are wildly totally off wrong. base right. wildly off well, base well now you have a 20, like almost a 20% chance of doing the pod live with me guess in what <gasps> next week <gasps> so good next week it'll go even more it's going to go up to like uh, 9.5% <laughs> you know when there's only four teams left <laughs> and I'll be vindicated <laughs> Uh, All right, let's get to the top four. That means you have nothing but one and two seeds left. And the number four team? The New England Patriots. Okay, Patriots at? 16.5%. So only about 6% more than, or 7% more rather, than the Chargers. Well, yeah, but the Chargers are only less than 3% more than the Eagles, who you basically were just like, no I, chance. I didn't say no. I was. That's what I, I took saying, from that conversation. No, I was saying that that people have to. Oh, Don't try to, to sugarcoat it now. <laughs> All right. So, uh, so the Patriots at sixteen point five percent. Why? Okay. Ultimately, this one comes down to their O line, their consistency in earning first downs on first and second down. So they don't even need to wait to third down. They are 
fourth best in the NFL in the regular season at getting another first down off of first and second down. So that consistency, their ability to run block, their ability to effectively execute a run game, their ability to use heavy sets or to strategically pass on first and second down. But no matter what, they're earning first downs at a really high rate. That control is a huge factor, especially when you're considering the types of defenses they're going to be facing. Okay. That means we have the Rams, Chiefs, and Saints left. Yep. I Re- wonder who's going to be. What? Oh, wait. No, no, no. Re- Real quick, I just want to go through a little bit of the difference in the model. Like, you have 9.4% as the highest of any team that's on the road this week, and then 165 as the lowest of any team at home. Is home field advantage the biggest factor in that, or is it the fact that we had three road teams win in wildcard weekend? Like, what sort of sets up for that big disparity in those two numbers? It's the three, it's the three road teams that makes the bigger difference in this one. I mean, those are lower seeds. Now, the Chargers, the reason the Chargers are so high is because, like, the Chargers were, like, kind of screwed out of being – I mean, the Chargers four, have a better the same record, record than the Patriots. Right. So the, theirs is closer. You think that count for something? <laughs> Unfortunately, does. no. It does. <laughs> Listen. No, it turns out it doesn't because I'm going to be on a plane for six and a half hours. So going is the rest of the team. So is the rest that, of the team. Exactly. Yeah. And no, you know where you just got a plane that, back from? They had that conversation yeah, from Baltimore. Yeah. They had that conversation with uh, the, the, what was it, the Seahawks Saints game. Remember when the Seahawks were 7 and 9? They were like, well, hey, you can still win the division, but you've got to go on the road. If your record ain't as good as the wild card team, hit the road. I completely, not just because of it's the Chargers in this case, but I back that 100%. You win the division, fine. You can get in, but if your record is nowhere near as good as, you know, the fact that the Ravens were two wins worse than the Chargers, it, to me, that's like, come on. Oh, Get I'm on with, the road. I'm and the Chargers you, are really good right? on the road, obviously. But the Nine Patriots are really good at home. 8-0. Oh, I'm, <laughs> I'm with you. Just give. Best record. Seedham won the six. Absolutely. If two teams from the same division have the two best records, they both get buys. Divisions don't matter anymore. It's, uh, that, man, that's the 90s. Divisions are so 80s. Uh, <laughs> back when it was the Norris. All right. Let's, uh, let's get to the number three team. Rams. Rams. 17.2%. Okay. So just a little bit more than the Patriots. A little bit. And but you still, know what's funny? Is, again, is it has to add them? up to 800. <laughs> See what I did there? You did. So the the funny part is both of these teams, the Patriots and the Rams, they have deficiencies against runs. So the Patriots defense allows rushing on first, on first down at a bad rate, a very high rate, so a lot of yards gained. And the Rams just overall have the worst rushing average allowed in the NFL. So that's an interesting dynamic of why those two have lower odds than, than the two theoretical division winners, right? So right. That's in, I think that's, like, really interesting because it shows you – here. and another thing, like, O-lines matter so much. Defensive pressures matter so much. And even though Aaron Aaron – Donald is the best interior pressure guy in the league. Absolutely. He, the run defense just like really, really makes it a problem. Well, you think about having to go to New Orleans if, you know, if since we have not heard from them yet, uh, it sounds like that's what the model's going to predict they have to do. Uh, that's such a tough, balanced offense to deal with, and we already saw it, right? I mean, granted, they were able to rally and had a heck of a comeback in that game, but I mean, they got in a hole early and you want to talk about having to try to figure out how to slow down a run. Well, then you finally commit to that. And next thing you know, Drew Brees is carving you up with Michael Thomas. I mean, that's just a tough matchup for them if that's what it comes to. And that's why I would assume, well, I don't need to assume. I know that it's either the Chiefs or the Saints you have winning the Super Bowl. They're ahead of the Rams because that I'm sure your model just thinks that's a bad matchup for them. Absolutely. Horrible matchup. All right. So let's find out if the Saints or the Chiefs are winning the Super Bowl. Number two. 
the first runner up. Isn't that what they say in <laughs> pageants? <laughs> well done. Your fancy pageant walking. <laughs> the first Chiefs. First runner up is the Chiefs. Seventeen point five percent. It's their defense. It's it's their defense. Like, I mean, I don't know if I need to say much more other than not their defensive run. I like their defensive pressures. I like that. But everything else, seventeen point five percent. Their their offense gets them there, and their defense is what what keeps them from winning. What's the stat? So there's the the five the team with the five best defenses. Where are they right now? Who are so, where are they playing? It's five best scoring defenses. None of them are left in the playoffs. None. Not one. It's weird, right? Five best and scoring think- offenses. They're all still alive. All still left. The mm-hmm. league has changed. Because uh, I remember that was a big one for the Ravens and why a lot of people were picking the Ravens. Why Not Cynthia only to picked beat the, the Chargers, but to go up to New England and beat the Patriots because of that scoring defense and that – Always in it. Nope, not the case. Not Ravens and the year. Bears. Well, as it turns out, when, when Lamar Jackson turns the ball over seven times, it doesn't really help, or however right. many times, right? Welcome to the league, man. <laughs> Welcome do. to the playoffs. Welcome to a defensive front um, when people get to see a second time. That's why that'll be interesting next year. Mm-hmm. Uh, you see what the Chargers were able to do. Anyway, uh, all right, that means the Saints are number one. So if my math is correct, they have a what percentage chance? 18.2. That's what I was going to say, but exactly. I left the glory for you. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So uh, 0.7% yep. more than the Chiefs. I want to tell you, some. I ran some special extra simulations Please. for you. So Rams and Chiefs, guess who the winner of that is? Rams, Chiefs, I would guess Rams. You're right. Okay. <laughs> what else you got? I thought you were going to guess. Sorry. <laughs> that was actually No, funny. I would guess Rams just because of that secondary, and, and I just would imagine Sean McVay would be able to carve that thing up. What else you got? Saints, Pats. Saints, Pats, Saints. Yep. Yeah. I'm not crazy okay. about the Pats. So I wanted to do the rematch. Colts, okay. Saints. Like it. What do you got? Not a, not as high of a margin as so the Patriots lose to the Saints more often than the Colts lose to the Saints. So it's a close margin. That That's interesting. It's almost identical to the Chiefs. Oh. I mean, it's not super high numbers because we don't exactly know configurations, but right now it's like 57 and, and 56. <laughs> but it's still okay. it's still like really close. <laughs> you have anything for me? Anything I, you know what I personally? do? I do, I do. What do you got? Do so we have I, Charger Saints, so it's Breeze v. Rivers? I did Breeze v. Rivers. The Buddies Bowl? The Buddies Bowl. Who do you think wins that one? I'm going to go with the Saints yeah. based on the 18.2 to 9.4. Uh-huh. I'm yeah. no dummy, you know. I might be stupid, but no, I'm not a dummy. No, but I it's not it's not it's almost it's right they're all kind of hovering around the same thing. The Colts, the Chargers, and the Patriots are hovering within two percentage points of each other against the Saints, which okay. is interesting. And then What about Chargers Rams the Battle of LA? That's the one that I have. And do you know what happens in this one? Now, Chargers. I put 100% health for everyone. Okay. So everybody's healthy. Gurley, every- Gordon, Keenan. Correct, because Cooks. I can't. I can't. Cooper Cups come back from no, his no, 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 no. It's remarkable. <laughs> You're the worst. No, like Denzel everyone. Perriman's out there. <laughs> I'm gonna punch you. Right. Um, no, everyone that's on that's not I on IR you. is okay, healthy. Got you. you got it. Yes. Guess what happens? Bolts. Yeah, and you win yeah. two hundred and twenty-five thousand dollars, and you have to share some of that with me. I don't get any money. Yes, you I do. I work for free. I work for free in the postseason. That is the way it works that. when you're on a broad. No, That's, I'm dead serious. Outside of me. I'm not telling people because you don't want people to come mull you I'm in airports across the nation. completely and totally honest. I do not get a single cent. I would have to, I, whether or not I get a ring, I don't know. The Lakers wanted me to buy a ring from them. I was like, take your ring and stick it. I'm <laughs> buying a stupid <laughs> ring that I'm never going to wear around. <laughs> kidding me? Like, you know, things are worth a lot. We're going to give it to you for cost. I don't care about cost. <laughs> I'll wear that stupid thing. <laughs> so I don't have a championship ring. 
When would I ever wear that dumb thing? You can just borrow. I guess I could wear it on the plane, right? Right. I could wear it on the plane, right? The Chargers being like, "Hey, you see this? Yeah. I worked pre half and post for the Lakers broadcast. (laughs) (laughs) I I have championship acumen. That's so. So let me tell you, boys, if you want some of this action, come on over here and let old Matt tell you a couple stories of how you get one of these things. (laughs) Right? It's ridiculous. All right, Saints 1, Chiefs 2, Rams 3, Pats 4. We'll see if it holds and where we sit next week. Well done, Cynthia. My math is terrible, but thankfully, Bill made a fool of me in the process. <laughs> well, again, we can't thank you enough all season. We got two more of these things as next week will be championship week, followed by our Super Bowl Game Theory and Money pod. Thank you so much for downloading, streaming, listening, sharing, social media, engaging. Uh, it's been a great season, and we'll see whether or not Cynthia's correct, or the old idiot here, the smile, the sweater, the haircut, can go back to back. <laughs> Wait a minute. What did you tell me before the pod started? What did you use in your hair today? Hand lotion. Hand lotion. That's what I do when I'm lazy. <laughs> I use uh, – that's that's an old broadcaster trick, I think. When uh, I th- I, I've run into multiple people that do the same thing. When you get to the hotel and they have that uh, gratis – Lotion, and you're like, nah, I don't really feel like doing the hair. I'm just going to kind of lube the hands up here, keep the skins kind of dry from the pressurization of the cabin on the plane. And it's uh, it's an old trick. I would imagine when he had hair, uh, my favorite broadcaster, Keith Jackson, probably did it. And I'd like to think I stole the tip. All right, there we go. Thanks, everybody, for listening to Shoppy for playing the dog sound effects, too. Well done, Sean. That was great. There we go. He is on it.